Welcome to the dark side of travel. So you've dared to come jaunt with me. Thank you. Let me introduce myself. I'm Courtney Maroc, Ambassador of Dark and Paranormal Tourism for Haunt Jaunts, a destination for restless spirits who dig hauntings, true crime, horror, Halloween, and weird days. I'll be your host and guide for this listening adventure. Looks like we've been cleared for takeoff, so buckle up, sit back, and enjoy the ride. Welcome back to Haunt Johns. With me today, I'm doing something a little different. Um, we, I've never done this before. Talked with somebody who lives in a historic and haunted house. So this is going to be good. The With me, joining me, are Carl and Angie, right? Yes. Okay, good. And I'm just making sure you're paying attention. Just kidding. <laughs> um, and they, they know... They're very good friends with one of my tennis teammates, Marnie, who said, hey, you need to talk to, you know, these good friends of mine. They have a house and they they have activity and it's also very historic. It's got a lot of great architectural features from what I understand also. So we're that's what we're going to talk to them about. So I'm going to shut up and just hello. Hello. I'm so glad you. So how. I don't even know where to start. Like, how old, how long have you lived in the house? How old is the house? When did you first notice activity? These are probably always the questions you get, but feel free to jump in wherever you want. We bought the house a little over three years ago, and we started work on it about serious work about a year later. We've only lived in the house for about 18 months. It was built in 1835. With another section built in 1839 and another section in 1864. And it, it requires an enormous amount of work. So we we live here and we're slowly working our way forward in the in the restoration. We've still got a lot to go, but we have to take our time because it was in it's in horrible shape. But it does have such an amazing history that we wanted to say that even if it took us 10 years to get it finished. Oh yeah, my we, gosh. We've, we've renovated several houses, both our fathers were contractors, so we know how to do the renovation. And we, every house except the one that we built, or that everyone we ever lived in has been something we renovated, and we had one new one as our last one. So we got rid of that one and said, we're going to find an older home. And she wanted Annabelle, so this is our first Annabelle home. It's probably the oldest home. It's the in worst shape home. It's the biggest. But it's the biggest home, which we didn't really want per se. But that's just the house we found. So um, and it was it it it, it also the, the his story was huge. So that helped us a lot to, to be able to see that and just knowing it was in such bad shape. Uh, you know, we knew we could afford it, especially being in Columbia, Tennessee. Um, it was just a, 
a much better deal than if we tried to buy it. We don't house and renovate house in Franklin, and that was that would have been out of reach to have bought a house this size for us in Franklin. So um, it's almost six thousand square feet. That's why it's single. It's not a house; yeah. it's a mansion. Yes. <laughs> well, when it was built, there was only a very few houses in Columbia, so that's you know, if there's going to be this size of a house, it's probably going to be a mayor or a, you know a lawyer or, or somebody that's pretty high up in the community. So we always say we're the we're the poorest and most unknown person that's ever owned the house. So it's, it's a, a series of folks that have uh, you know either been you know the mayor or somebody that's been you know in charge of the historical society or you know something like that. Chancery so, judge. Yeah judges and archivists. Yeah. One guy started an airline that went to air it's we found out that in the, the room we're sitting in now that we knew some folks that lived here. Um, we we had no idea what their history was, but living in this room, the house was broken up into apartments at one time. And when we tore some baseboard off in here as we were restoring this room, we found some Christmas cards that somebody had kind of dropped probably behind their desk. And one of them was actually still in the envelope, but she was trying to go get the, the address. Because she didn't have their complete address. They had her name on the inside, and her name was Aileen Queener. And I didn't think anything about that until another friend mentioned that that she knew her as Aileen Queener Massey. Uh, when she grew up, she was married to Jack Massey, the man who franchised Kentucky Fried Chicken. He's the co-founder of HCA, one of the richest men in Tennessee. And I thought, well, <laughs> that's and, a family member, a modern day family member, was actually renting part of our house as an apartment when we bought it. And so he was living in the house that his grandmother and his great aunts had lived in and had partially owned. The history is all very gray. We've got a lot of facts and a lot of names, but sometimes, you know, the dates are a little they don't always line up or who lived here when or things like that. So there's a lot of that. The house that's 185 years old, you've got a lot of owners, you know, for the most part. You've got a lot of people that have lived here, especially when it's apartments. A lot of people have lived here. Um, also in this room at one time, Alvin York's grandson lived in this this room. His name was Woodrow Wilson York. <laughs> he lived in, in this room where we're sitting. And his brother lived in a different apartment. Store of, of our house. So we, we do know a lot about the house because the MTSU has an amazing Center for Historic Preservation and they did a historic structural report on the house for us where they, they did a lot of research of everyone that lived here and every time the house changed hands and things like that. So that, that helps us a lot to kind of verify some things. But and then they talked about the architectural style and all of that kind of stuff. But it, was, it stumps them because this house is a very strange house. Well, that's, they were excited to come do the house um, just because of all the history and especially the Civil War history. So it was a union headquarters and you know we've heard of generals being in the house and we've also heard it was a hospital for the union soldiers. So there's a, you know, when you say history, there's probably been two or three former or future presidents in the house, you know, things like that. So a lot of the stories that you hear, um, you know, you can take them with a grain of salt until you find a little bit more proof. And, and we, we're continually finding little bits and pieces of 
proof of who lived here and why and what years and you know again it's, it's in three pieces that three different years that we built or added on to and now in that tradition we've added on because it's it's an older house and there was not a kitchen per se that was attached it would have probably been detached out back and so we think part of the the back section might have even been the kitchen and it was filled in between the kitchen and the house in 1864. So again, it's all sort of a mystery until we kind of, you know, really start looking at the structure. And even then, it's really difficult to say what part was built when. We know the first two sections, but three and four, we don't know the order and exactly what rooms were what. But uh, yeah, it, it's interesting to, it's always a mystery and it's always, um, you know, somebody else telling us how their grandparents lived here or you know a friend lived here or they lived here. People stop all the time and say, hey, when I was in the house, I used to live here when I went to school. And it was it's where I teach, where I work at college, there are people that came here and said, yeah, I went to school there and I was an athlete and this was an athlete's house. So it's like back in his apartments. Do you think it so. was uh, at one time it held six apartments? Oh By the gosh. time we bought it, the apartments had been torn out because yeah. a, a man had done he'd done that portion of the restoration and then it had stopped to just which was it. great for us yeah. because I mean that was one more thing we didn't have to do, tear out and, and open up. But you know, you can see all the you know the leftovers where I mean you took the walls out, but you can't fix a place across the floor where there was a wall. I mean, you can see where that history was. So um, you know, and it's fine that we Everything about the house has got shows its age or shows a different piece of construction. So it's kind of nice and we don't try to hide any of that. You know, we just kind of, you know, make it as livable as possible. And we, that's what we're trying to do. We try to make it into a space that is livable, but we're also, um, our addition, uh, we were painstakingly honest about it and we made it to match the rest of the house. So we added the kitchen. We added a bathroom upstairs. We added a little bedroom upstairs. And those all have 12 foot ceilings to match the rest of the house. And they have the same woodwork and, you know, the same pipe wood flooring and the windows. We had them built new, but they were made from wood and they have weights in them, just like the old windows in the front. So, um, you know, but it looks a little different. You can tell it's new and that's what we wanted. We want to be an homage to the old, but not so, you know, we didn't want it to be, we want it to be livable, but we also want to look pretty and just everybody to walk through it seamlessly and think, oh, this could have been, you know, just the next room, but really, you know, it's a brand new room. So that, that's kind of where we've been. And we will be working for a long time to really renovate all of it. We're just trying to get sections done and move into small one-story section that we call the apartment. People, when you think of apartments, you don't think of an 1864 as an apartment, but that was the new section. So we lived, we lived in that. We now that's our new section. That yeah. always cracks me up that our new section is 1864. And that turns out was built uh, by the guy that owned it. Uh, he was a member of the Confederate Congress. And during the Civil War, he had a plantation just outside of town. And um, when the Union troops came to town, they burned his plantation. And they had commandeered this house. And they had already commandeered this house as their office quarters. So he came back and said, I want to move back into my house. And they said, no, but if you want to build on an addition, you can live it. Wow. And so 
that's the 1864. We always say that's got to be the strangest bedfellows because it was the, a Confederate congressman and the Union general was living in the same house. In his house. In his house, yeah. So it had to be bizarre. One of the stories that we get we get told all the time is that, and that, that it's funny because they on the ghost tours they they stop in front of the house and talk about this. Somebody it, it, supposedly a Union soldier rode his horse into the house and, um, and scratched the, the floor. The floor. That's we're, the story. That's part. the story. And we, we're never sure if it came came in the front door. We have a lot of doors in this house. We have two entrances that it could come in and went. Supposedly there's a big dash in the floor and we haven't we haven't refinished those floors yet. And when when we do, I think it's gonna become clear. For instance, the blood stains that we kept hearing about. Um we we hadn't noticed them because the floors hadn't been refinished. We refinished one of the bedrooms upstairs and found the blood stains that they were talking about when we did that. And that was from the being in the hospital during the Civil War. And it made sense that that room, that's our best lighting. Room. Oh. Um, and the blood stains were in front of what was a window. Yeah, there was time. a window right there. So oh, it was a place where people would have done surgeries. Because it had the bright, it was a really bright, beautiful room. And it, it looked like boot prints. The, the blood stains looked like boot prints. And, and there's an actual footprint, like with a bare foot. Oh, my. So it was very interesting. When we when we put the polyurethane on there, they, they kind of blended it. It actually it. blended it a little bit, but well, we, we had to do. We got pictures of it, but we also had to do that's the kind of thing we do. You know, we we make it where there's not going to be splinters, and you know, it's, it's, it's got to be where we can live in it, but there's always that edge of we don't want to take too much off of it. So it's kind of a kind of a tightrope we fought to, to renovate it and keep it. You know, we don't want it to look new, you know, we want it to look old, but we also want to make sure you know things are sealed up and it's not. You know, weather and, and you know, air coming in and stuff like that. So, oh, gosh. It's kind of a constant battle. But, but the house is, um, like I say, one whole section is brand new. And then one section has been renovated for years. And then, you know, there's kind of a couple, the front section, nothing's been touched in a long time. And then there's kind of the middle is where we're working right now. And we're trying to get that up to, you know, for us to live in, to be comfortable in, um, you know, and, but still look, you know, look like it would have when it was new. But yet, you know, everything's nice in it, with nice electricity and nice plumbing and, you know, a little bit more insulation and things like that. So, but yeah, we're, we're still planning to not finish the front up at least for a while. We, we, we found a, an extra business um, up front because when we moved in, a friend of ours, filmmaker, um, screenwriter, he said, you know, people would pay a lot of money to, to film in the house, this house. He said, because it's got the high ceilings, it's got the, um, the history, the look, you know, the feel of a beautiful house that nobody's ever been finished. You can see the brick. All the house has got brick interior and exterior walls. So every wall is about three bricks thick. So, you know, even inside. Even inside. <laughs> so when you walk between two rooms, there's a wall that's that thick. You know, most wow. walls and houses are two by fours. Well, these are almost 12 inches thick. So, um, which is sturdy, 
and great. And, and it looks really cool with the, I'm a photographer also. So, you know, I can appreciate the beauty and the, you know, the niceness of seeing brick, but also seeing peeling wallpaper and, you know, dust and dirt. You know, I love all that. All the wood, all the wood's beautiful. It's, the wood's been taken pretty well, pretty well taken care of as far as, you know, not anything done wrong to it. It's just dirty, or, you know, that kind of thing. So. Was, was your house the one where Marnie filmed her GoFundMe when she was yes. starting up? Oh yeah. my gosh, I commented that's, that's on the room. The room she filmed that in is the one with the bloodstains. Yeah. Oh my we, goodness. It's been used for, since, since we moved in, multiple music videos, put the music videos we filmed in the front room and up the street. That was a gorgeous staircase, so everybody wants to use that too. We have a floating staircase <gasps> and, and multiple rooms that weren't finished for a while. And so, so people love, use the whole. They love the house. house. Luke Ryan filmed a video a year, about a year ago. Oh my life. gosh! Lee Bryce has filmed video here. Lots of, lots of more smaller independent artists, and we've had a couple of movies filmed. Yeah. A couple of horror movies have been filmed in the house. Yeah. Which no way! Yeah, yeah, there's they're they're mostly like small kind of independent films or short films or whatever. But um, the crazy basement. Has yeah, been our basement's pretty. It's been used multiple times. It's fairly unique. It's it's. Finished as in somebody went in and poured concrete. So it's like not just dirt and, you know, terrible, scary, but yet there are sections of it that are actually hand dug, you know, with a pick out of dirt. And there's been for a while, there was no HVAC. So it looked like it probably looked when they first built it. it was the, just, first, the first story in Roller House had was in a, they used the basement, they changed the basement, it looked like a, uh, Jew was hiding in the basement during World War II from the Nazis. And so they made it look like this was the basement of a Nazi's house because they made it look like a 1940s basement. They put in a little wine cellar looking thing and added windows. It was it was amazing. And the the um, film is really neat. It's just a little short film. Yeah, and, and they shot the you know the upstairs section in another house and the exterior of another house, but they wanted hours because it didn't have HVAC and it didn't have a lot of plumbing and electrical running throughout. Oh, so that they would have to yeah, hide or whatever. So, so that's always cool. And then, like I say, the front, we're just going to leave that for at least the, the near future because it is nice and just have people come in and shoot, you know, and, and, and we again, we don't have to spend the money to renovate it and the time to renovate it right now. And it's, it's a moneymaker for us. And eventually, you know, we've talked, we've talked maybe a and b Maybe some kind of small, you know, small event space, not anything massive, but we can do some smaller events and things like that. So, um, you know, and if we do that, then it'll be a different kind of money maker. But, you know, we don't, we didn't need the room because we're fairly recent empty nesters. It's our youngest kid's second year in college. So we're on our own. At one point, it would have been great because there was six of us, you know, four kids and us. And so, this house would have been just about right sidewise, but now we don't need the size so much. But now that you know we've got the house, and, and you know we'll use it for something. We just you know right now we're using some of the most historic rooms as a storage space because we have to move into the house. Oh and we're trying to renovate, so we can't. Have oh, that's. Bedroom is a giant storage space. Yeah, it's in a space that was probably a ballroom when the house was built. 
upstairs. So this house is ridiculous. It is ridiculous, but it's really fun for us to, it's an ongoing adventure and everybody is wildly interested in it because it's just, it's so different. Yeah. And it does have so much history. I think Andrew Johnson lived in a cabin here in the 17, um, we found the remains of that cabin when we tore off the that addition. Oh, wow. Um, they had a brick floor and all this stuff. And his, his historic site in East Tennessee came and documented it and said they had, this is the first instance they've had where they could actually document that that story really would happen. He ran away from home and lived and worked as a tailor for three at the bottom of the hill. And this was proof of the, of the, and you can see oh, on our, in our kitchen the outline of the cabin because the cabin was here and they built our they built our house up against the cabin. So what's oh now the kitchen, um, which was you know nothing actually, it was just that little section tore off. Now it's a kitchen, but you can see on the wall the shape of the cabin um, that they built up against it. Left. So we left that exposed. Yeah, so oh my god! And when you said that the MTSU um people came and they were said something about it was a mystery even to them just the art the architectural style of what came first and because this house is so different they've never been able to find a a similar house usually because it's it's federal style okay built in 1835 but around the 1840s they did some things to in the Italian style, that we've got four porches and three of them are in the Italian style. Oh. Really, really decorative. Oh. We have a, a Facebook page. If you look up Lynn Jones' house on um, the Facebook page, you can see a lot of pictures of it. Okay, we've wait, what's that called again? We've also got a blog, it's probably got both of them. Everything that we do in social media is Looney, L O O N E Y. J-O-N-E-S house. So Looney Jones House on Facebook, Instagram, and then we do a blog that's looneyjoneshouse.wordpress.com. Okay. And the blog is basically, I mean, we have so many people that are friends of ours from over the years that know them we've renovated. We're excited that we got the house. So instead of having to tell each one of them the same story a hundred times, oh, just any, point anytime them. something happens, we just put a blog about it, but, you know. So we've got the, the blog is a combination of something historical about the house or something about our family that's you know, you know, we were moving something and I fell through the floor, you know, just fun stuff. <laughs> or or the, the one that's a little more popular now is who's filming in the house, you know, things like that. Like so, when the video, when the artist video comes out, like. He'll write a blog about it, show behind the scenes pictures and things like that of yeah. what was happening. And we, we have to not show that and not say too much about it just because of the confidentiality until it comes uh -huh. out. So a lot of times somebody might shoot something this weekend, but it might be two months before it releases. We're waiting on so, one oh, night. and then oh, yeah. somebody shot here about four weeks ago. Oh, yeah. weeks ago. So they're probably another week or two before they come out. Wait. Oh, we can't say who it is. You know, it's not like the biggest oh thing God. in the world. But it's just, it's, it's really fun because for us, for me, the photography is great because I get to shoot behind the scenes stuff and I get to shoot sometimes pretty famous people in the house. 
or you know even us meeting famous people it's kind of cool but you know you never know when one of these artists might be the famous person in a year or two you know that kind of thing. I mean, I've always seen how she used in various and sundry ways and, and I especially love seeing my house look so beautiful you know it, most people that walk into it are just overwhelmed by the sheer volume of work that is necessary but the two of us are both we're both artists and we both saw the potential because we oh. had four old houses before we walked in and it didn't scare us a bit but everyone else was terrified it, the house had been on the market for a very long time and the the previous owners um the ones that owned it from like 1900 to 1995 they attempted to have it torn down <gasps> because it didn't it was in bad shape and they wanted it torn down I was just reading that that section that I was looking through some stuff so I could tell you about it. And in 95, that the fire marshal and um, code said it needed to be torn down because it wasn't structurally sound, which is not true. We had a structural engineer check the house and he said it is solid as a rock. Because it's all brick. I mean, there's more bricks than you've ever seen. And this the man that built that house was a master, master carpenter. He built every fancy house in Murray County. Some of the biggest houses that everybody could buy on Snap and River Villas and really, really big houses. So we knew he knew what he was doing. And he did a magnificent job. Our carpenters would just wander around the house and just about cry. Oh my gosh. The way it was constructed and the way things were put together. Yeah, we, we try to find subcontractors. We decided we were looking, trying to find someone that would just do everything, you know, a contractor and say, here, renovate the whole house. But it came down to, for us, we were really trying to find people that cared about the history and didn't want to just go in and get everything and start over and make it all new and make it, you know, perfect. So we decided, and so we ended up being the general contractors ourselves. And then we hired and we've gone through so many subcontractors, you know, trying to get the right people. You know, every time we would hire anybody, it would usually take two or three different steps to find the, the best one at doing it. You know, oh, we've got a plumber. Oh, we like this one better. Oh, well, this one didn't show up. Oh, what about this one? And so we, we finally got a good list of every subcontractor now because we've gone through that. And so it's kind of nice, but our, but our guys that did the construction, did the addition, they were they were both very knowledgeable about the story and they really cared about the house and like they would they would sit around while eating lunch and talk about you know construction principles and after work they would walk through the house and look at you know windows and window treatments and say it was very cool to see them be so excited about our house. When we were looking for trim that matched the old house, they would come tearing in here saying, Look what I found what I found, this is amazing. And that that was a real gift for us to find. I think they loved the house as much as we did, and that was a real gift. And they and they respected the fact that Carl and I could do a lot of this stuff. Yeah, because we're both children contractors. We get a lot of that from all the subcontractors when they say who did this or who did that, and we're like, well, we did that. And we're like, they, oh, really? They yeah. were willing to let us do the parts that we could do. Yeah. And and, and, and honestly, we the things that we do, we do really well. And it's just things that you know some people are. Going to be better at, but we don't mind you know paying to do that. Yeah, we're not plumbing anything, and we're not electrifying. <laughs> <anything>. No. Everything <laughs> else, you know, we have a pretty good, pretty good touch about doing, and 
So we say we developed a, a list of historic contractors in Middle Tennessee. So if somebody needs something, give us a call. We're going to say. <laughs>
So we're not but sure. he only built a section of the house, to right. be fair. So it's only the front section, which is upstairs and downstairs, basically two big rooms. But I mean, that's what started the house, and that was the the original house. And you know, so we figured his name is Tim Burton, since we're the latest owners, and we been Jones for us. But we know she died in the house, and we know it was used during the Civil War as a as a hospital and headquarters. What what we've seen that supposedly there's a woman that walks around in the house. I've never seen her. Um, I've seen something out of the corner of my eye walking into the dining room. We're convinced the dining room and the and the room directly above it are the source of everything that's going on. Um, there supposedly there is a tunnel from this house to the river. Yeah, the river's only maybe a mile away. Yeah, and that tunnel to the Duck River. If we believe the Yorks that lived here at the time, they they had said that the tunnel went through that dining room out. So we don't know if that's connected to it. Um, Well, we don't know what the tunnel was for. They, you know, it's just like when they said the guy rode in on a horse. That probably happened, but there's about five versions of why he rode. You know, so we don't know why yeah, too much about it. I mean, I don't know. But with, with the tunnel, it was the only thing we've heard is, oh, it was slaves to move slaves. So we're thinking, well, that could go one of two ways. It could either be underground railroad helping slaves get out, or it could be somebody bringing slaves in. So I don't know. You know, it's one of those things we've we've tried to look up the history, and then we have. Angie's done a lot of research, but MTSU's done a lot of research. Our son, Ben, uh, he's huge into researching that kind of stuff. And he finds his articles all the time. He finds his um, like city plots of what the house looked like. Not not the physical outside, but like the land. All of that. You know? And he'll find maps every so often. And you can kind of see which sections were here on the house and things like that. So that helps. But it also helps to know... Um, you know, like census and things like that. And in the census, it might say there were so many, you know, slaves that lived here or something like that. So we're really interested in maybe trying to find out if we could ever find out, you know, some names or, you know, the history of, you know, who and why and, you know, that kind of stuff. Because, you know, we think that's very important that everybody that lived in a house, you know, needs, we need to know who it was. So, you know, that, um, she found a story from a newspaper article that there, there was a lady that lived here after the store. Her name was Sue Gunnington. She was a widow. And her mother owned the house, had owned the house before, and had left the house to her and, and her other son. And so she was able to stay here and live here. And we know she lived in what we call the green room upstairs, which is directly above the dining room. And that she had the finest room in the house, she had the only bathroom in the house, and that is the only bathroom in the house. Yeah, there was only one bathroom in the house. And they said she would come down every day, completely dressed for breakfast, like in, in her full clothes, and she was completely put together when she would come down the steps. And anything that we have heard has it's always been that room. That's also the room with the blood stain. So that room is, is a party room there. But the um our children at one time, the addition backs up to that room upstairs. And yeah, the, the green room that she's talking about, that's, we actually, there was a, one of the windows in the room, and that's a, it was a really bright room. So the sun comes in on 
two sides most of the day. Mm. So it's the brightest, you know, nicest room in the house, in my opinion, as far as photography. She said she lived in the one the nicest room. And she really been in the nicest room. So it had a bathroom, it had a night it had a bathtub, which was amazing for back then. It's a hilarious bathtub. Yes, it's a tiny little bathtub, which was perfect for a lady. But uh but we opened up one of the windows to make a doorway into our into our addition. So upstairs you come in through that bedroom, you get the addition. Downstairs you come in through the dining room. Our children's room, the first Christmas we had here, we did not have a kitchen. The, the addition was in progress, and they all came up in college, and, and we had a little storage room up there that was part of the addition. They decided they were going to turn that into the kid cave, and that's where they wanted to sleep. Even though they're all, you know, adults, basically. And we just threw down um, air mattresses and stuff in that little storage room, and they're sleeping in there. And one night they said that um, was after everybody was on the bed, the next morning they, they said, hey, Dad, why were you walking around up there? And he said, I was out cold. I don't know how late you think I stay up. But someone walked out of the room or the, the green room and, no, they came up the steps. Yeah. They heard them come all the way up the steps and stop directly in front of the door of the storage room. And none of them would, would open the door to the storage room to see what was out there. They were all too scared. Well, it wasn't the door at that point, it was just a curtain. So. Yeah, sorry, it's just a curtain. And so they, they were all too afraid to open that. But, and the kids constantly say that they, they're the ones that sleep up there for the most part, that, that they hear people walking around all the time. They slept, the girls, our daughters slept in that room over, um, over the summer. And none of them, it's really funny because none of them will sleep up there by themselves. They're, they're convinced. I don't know what they think they're going to do with their repair. And like our son, um, in the addition, there was a really small little bedroom up there. And our son was sleeping in there over, I guess it was over Christmas. One of our sons was sleeping up there. And the next morning he said, Hey, what was all the screaming about? I said, I don't know what you're talking about. He said, Somebody's screaming in there. And uh, I, I said, Well, what did you do? He said, I just locked the door. <laughs> Again, I did. If it's a ghost buddy, they're coming through the door. Yeah, I, I think you thought maybe we were having an argument or something downstairs. This <laughs> house, you can hear, I mean, it's as much insulation as we put, you can, you can pretty much hear throughout the house off and on. You know, if there's somebody upstairs, you can hear them walking. Or if there's somebody even a room over, you can hear them. You know, it's it, there's a lot of echoey stuff. And and I'll I'll be the first to say, um, Angie's way more open to all the stuff that happens in the house and she she grew up in a house that had some activity you know in their opinion so i never did i never have and i'm not i'm not saying any of it's not possible i'm just not it doesn't until i see something and feel it i'm just going to go that's fine it could be but i don't believe it will see and so i'm more skeptical and um, again, not against it, but I think she's just more open to it. And I think the kids are definitely, you know, it's an old, old house, you and know, the so they're, they're nervous about it. Sleep up and they sleep up there. They sleep up but there. But yet, so I've, I've never slept up there. But honestly, when we're, I mean, we renovated this house for a year, year and a half before we ever moved in. And I was down here a lot at night and dark and walking around with no lights in the house and me with a, maybe a phone light, but maybe not. 
moving stuff around all the rooms. And I've never had any issue ever. Never oh, you're living crap. You know, no, nothing scary, nothing making noises. The only thing I, you know, in my mind, there's always a, well, it could have been something else. You know, that's that's kind of my, my thing. At, and again, I'm not saying they're not right. I'm just saying that makes me feel better about not being super happy about it. There's something out there that's going to scare me. But At Christmas time, one of the, we have twins. They're funny. They're in college. They're two different colleges. And one had already gone back to school. And so it was just Sarah here. And every night she would start sleeping up in the green room. And every morning I'd come down and she was on the couch. Oh, like, no. Why are you on the couch? She said, something's going on up there. And every, and there could be something going on up there. We're well, moving our bed up to that yeah, room will be as soon as room. the electrician's finished. Mm-hmm. We're moving up there. And so maybe we'll figure that yeah. out. The, the biggest thing for me is most of the things that they were hearing, I could find some kind of estimates for. Okay. You know, like I told you, we, we put windows that we had built, you know, and they're wooden windows. And so they're different from a modern window. So when the wind blows, the windows rattle. And to me, it could be, oh, well, you know, that could be somebody, sound like somebody walked, you know, bump, 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 you know, to me. Okay. But again, they're all of that mindset of they're more apt to say, oh, it's something else, because it's an old house and it's haunted and whatever. And I'm more like, okay, until I see it, I'm not going to say that. But, you he's, know, I definitely. He's the total skeptic in the house. The rest yeah. of us have always accepted it. But, but I do believe, I believe each one of them have heard something and, and you know, I know there's something that's doing some of that, whether or not it's literally I mean, squirrels or the wind or whatever. And people go, oh, it's just somebody outside. You know, yeah. I, I will hear music occasionally. And he'll go, oh, that's somebody driving by with their. And, and honestly, she, where her office is, we're in her office right now, she's sitting by a window and you can hear people talking on the street and we're 50, 60 feet from the street. So, it is possible for some of that. But, but we've also heard people, the ones that I tend to hear and, and put a little bit more stock into thinking, well, okay, I guess it probably is something, is people that used to live here. You know, and there'd be somebody that said, oh, yeah, have y'all heard the baby crying? And I'm going, yeah, that's, that's I'm going, supposedly the, the room that we're baby. about to have so, a plaster and electrical and everything. Right above, above us. us. Um, the folks that lived here, the, the people that eventually believe that eventually married the richest man in Tennessee. Um, her niece came by and, and was telling us that they always talked about a baby crying in that room. And and I, we do know that the people that lived here for the longest time were Flemings. They bought the house in 1854 and they lived here until the early 20th century. They only had three children out of 12 make it to adulthood. Oh, so, wow. I so we know there was a lot of and three there there were three maybe three times and um one outlived them but the other two passed away so oh, wow and I, I don't know I just know they the NTSU report mentions the fact that a lot of children died in this house because of infant mortality rates oh. then but they they were talking about how incredibly unlucky the Flemings were that like they they literally three wives twelve children twelve children I believe. So so we know there's a lot of you know unhappiness around the house and things like that. So there's we know there's yeah, there's a lot of stuff that could have happened, especially uh, to me, I would think that if there was gonna be a case of anything 
you know, hunting or anything like that, I would think the Civil War time would be where they had people, you know, having surgeries or, or you know, dying from all their wounds. That that would make a sense. This house was used after battles, um, after they, they had done the triage for, at the battlefield, like the Battle of Franklin, of the soldiers that were in the Battle of Franklin were injured, severely injured. They were bringing them here to recuperate. Oh. Finish because the Union, the Union occupied Columbia for most of the war. So they would bring soldiers who were injured elsewhere here to finish their treatment once they could travel and things like that. So wow. there's a house just up the street that's known as a doctor's house. So there was a doctor that was literally in one house or two houses. It's, and it's an older house than this. Yeah. It's, and, it's, and it's supposedly the most haunted house. In so, you know, it's one of those things, I guess, if you're open to stuff, you can probably hear it, and, you know, maybe more in tune. And if you're not, maybe gracefully, I'm not having to hear that and making me, you know, the nervous wreck. But I mean, I, the guy that lived in the section that, that we call the apartment, um, again, he was one of the grand nephews of the lady that lived here. Um, and he lived here for a year and he said, I've never seen anything and I've heard. So that was. For me, that was good because I didn't want to hear and see all this stuff. But, you know, again, I think if you were, I think if you were someone that thought, you know, oh, I'm sure it's haunted, and I'm just going to sit here and listen, I'm sure there are things that you would hear. And I mean, honestly, if you walk right now, I could walk out into the hallway and walk up the steps and walk back down, and there's probably some plastic involved, just because you shake enough. Oh. And stuff falls. So I know there's reasons for it, but I mean, if I wanted to be, you know, dramatic, I could say, well, every time I go out there, somebody's throwing plaster at me. You know, it's one of those kinds. Okay, of I see what you're saying. This fireplace that we're sitting in front of, right after we bought the house, but two days after we bought it, after we closed on it, we had an open house for all of our friends to show just what a mess we just purchased. <laughs> in this room, were, we're going to do a before and after. And the before was going to be wear your dirty clothes. We're going to have coffee and donuts. And then that magic day in five years or whenever it is, when everything's perfect, we're going to have like a cotillion with an wow. orchestra and you get dressed up in your tux and you, you know, it's before and after. So we were showing everybody everything. So I was in there the morning of the open happened here. This room, and I was sweeping, it's so dusty. It, this room was a horrific shape of the And it was so dusty. And I swept around this fireplace and a chunk of newspaper fell out. Because they stuffed stuff newspapers new everywhere and different things. They I mean, stuffed stuff. I touched the newspaper, but the newspaper stopped and, and so I, I opened it up and it was from December 17, 1967. And the day that I was sweeping was December 17, 2017. 50 years today. And it was the funny papers. That's what I thought was really funny. It was the comics. And uh, it looked like they'd been stuffed up there yesterday because they were so bright. It was from the National Banner from that day. And I said, you know that? I'm like, okay, hi. <laughs> we're here. You know, because that, that was just too weird of a coincidence. There was 50 years to the day that I'm sleeping. It was like a hello. Oh. I mean, I, I am fascinated by that stuff. I, I feel like this house is so many stories. It's just full of stories.
knock on the front door. Which is, it used to be we'd work on Saturdays and yeah. Sundays. we go to church on Sunday morning, come here work on Sunday afternoon, all day Saturdays. And then we would go home, you know, and sometimes at night. Like, I, if I worked at the school down, you know, the road, I'd come by here on my on the way home at night and work a while and then go back. We lived in Thompson Station at the time. Okay. While we were renovating it. And so Angie was up there, so she wouldn't get to come down that much. But on weekends, we'd be here all day Saturday. We'd go to church Sunday morning, more than Sunday afternoon. And, and that was our time to be here. But we almost couldn't get work done because so many people were knocking on the front door and saying, hey, I used to live here. Hey, my aunt used to live here. Hey, can we see the house? Can we, you know, oh, I see that you're working on it. Oh, did you buy it? Oh, welcome to the neighborhood. Oh, you know, all this stuff. So that, that, this is just a random day. Somebody Dropped it. 
Oh my gosh. But I love that you're a photographer and it was a, a photo. I mean, it was something to do with that. That's really cool. That, that was just amazing that we found it. And Channel 5 actually came out and did a story about it because they led the, the, the dual story of cool historic house, but then the metal detector got found there and it was so old. So he's was, come back a couple times. Yeah. And he found so something every time. Here and there. He found a little bell one time. He found a giant like iron finial that we don't know if it was a, a construction plumb bob or if it was finial on a on like a uh, fence or something. And then he tore off the bad addition and found the jumping cabin underneath. He had found the the brick floor, which was a total shock. We didn't know it was there. And it rained. We left. And then we came back after it had rained for a couple of days, and there was the brick floor. Because it had washed, washed all the dirt, dirt off. off. Wow. It was right up against the addition. So who would have thought a brick floor would have been that high off the ground? They filled it with dirt. They filled it with dirt. And then the bricks. Brick floor on top of it. And then they built over. You know, built over. Wow. But I. We had decided we were going to do no detecting in that dirt. Because um, we ended up removing those bricks because they were just sitting on dirt. So we've got uh, a pile of those bricks now, which is really cool. But then in our kitchen, when we did the renovation, the rest of the house, the kitchen was new. So that was our addition. We actually took and put our floor in the kitchen as bricks. Now, it's not those bricks, but it was just like an homage to, those bricks you know, know, that brick uh, looked like that. So, so we did that. While I was sitting there, and we were doing the metal detecting, and they were metal detecting, and I was just digging the dirt. And I, I dug around for a second, and I saw a skeleton key laying there. And I thought, oh my gosh, okay, I, gotta, I, gotta reach, and I went to reach down to pick it up, and it was gone. And I thought, is that a big bit of my imagination? That I found that. I didn't say anything to anybody because I was like, I just imagine that key. And, and so I just, I was, what about our business? And I thought, I'm losing my mind. And then the next week, I was standing next to the, the that section on the outside of the foundation. I went down there, it was again, I picked it up that time. And I thought, oh, again, there it is again. And it's a skeleton key that would have gone to that. That the house. And, and it, it didn't work on any of the doors that we had currently, but we know obviously it was one of the older doors in the house, and it was, or it could have been on the cabin that was there that that one down. So, oh, kind of head or yeah, our, kind of uh, our contractor was, our carpenter was outside one day and he was cleaning up, and he came walking back in. He goes, Look what I found. It's a tiny little doll head, like a china doll, like a porcelain doll. It was solid, and it looked like somebody had taken a taken something to it because one side of it was flat, like had been cut. It, it's it's hard. I don't know how they did that, but we. I mean, we're not working on the oldest part yet, and when we do, I the stuff we're going to find when our son pulled down the ceiling uh, in the room that we're about to put the classroom to work on. He pulled down the ceiling and he found a giant Dr Pepper sign. Um, we found a piece of trim that was from the, the front windows from the 1830s trim that had not been finished. I mean, just, it, it's like an everyday adventure. Yeah, we found all kinds of buckets in the ceiling where <laughs> it was raining, and so it was leaking. 
and they had buckets up there, but obviously they've redone the roof or redone the roof, and now there's just all these old buckets around, and they're orange like the mark cans or like oil cans and stuff. Or we found a sign for a business that, that was down the street, and it has like whatever the address is, and it was like something something, but it was half. So it was like half the business was like seven oh two and a half, and the other one seven oh three and a half something. So. You know, we find all kinds of weird little things like that in the house. And we're sure when we get up front, I've actually already seen when we were working on some of the ceilings, I've shined my light up front. And I've seen some bigger metal signs that they were using to keep water out in the front, up under the rafters and stuff. So there's going to be a lot of that kind of stuff as we go. Yeah, the Dr. Pepper sign was from the 1950s. Yeah, it was like a really valuable yeah. Dr. Pepper sign. It's like a metal sign. It's like it was just laying on the roof. Say, Come up here. You're not going to believe what's in the room. And we've been really lucky speaking about the kids. Yes, both of our dads were contractors and, you know, we knew how to do all this stuff, but we've also taught our kids how to do all that kind of stuff. And so now, you know, they're, they're all, you know, at that great age where, you know, they're young and strong and they're very willing to learn how to do stuff. So they're the ones that are, you know, they're crawling up and knocking ceilings down instead of me having to do it. Or they're, they're putting floors in or they're, you know, they're helping, you know, our daughters are really good at doing really hard hand done things. They hand finish floors with me or they'll hand finish, you know, they'll build things with me, which is great. And then the boys are here to, they'll do all the heavy lifting and all the you know knocking stuff down and you know tearing stuff up and, and moving bricks and picking things up so for us it's a it's a huge family business and, and they really love the house which is kind of funny to me because we were thinking we moved out of the house that they lived in most of their life and they were going to be mad at us because we've got this old house now and it's a lot of work and it turns out you know they're all talking about you know how what they're going to do with the house you know after we're gone they're, they're going to keep it. They want to keep the house. And it's like, in my mind, I was thinking, they're going to want to sell this and have the money, you know, and whatever. But they were like, no, this is our family home. And, you know, whether or not they'll ever all live here, that's the only thing. But, you know, maybe one of them will. Maybe, you know, they'll turn it into a bed and breakfast and just keep it as, you know, the house. But to us, it was really nice to hear and feel them seeing our love of the preservation and doing it the right way and keeping it, you know, the history alive and keeping the, you know, everything about the house they love, which. But then once they, they saw how much this meant to us, that, that was great. And I will say they liked the house, they were empty house. But when they came home for spring break last year, and we said, hey, somebody's filming in the house on Thursday. And um, that was during their spring break. And as we all know, they never went back to school because of COVID. <laughs> yeah. But that was going to be the Thursday of their spring break. And we, they got home that weekend and said, hey, um, somebody contacted us about filming on Thursday. And they were like, who? Because they had never seen anybody filming. Yeah, there. they weren't here when anybody's filming. And they said, who's coming? I said, Luke Bryan is coming. And those girls almost lost their ever-loving minds. They both said, you're, you're lying to me. You're lying to me. 
And they were able to call their best friend who looked right from that, who I had never heard say anything other than, you know, I look right in today. Um, I called her, and the three of them were drunk with joy that entire day. I cannot believe this. And I said, ladies, how you feel about mom and daddy in this house now? Said, I'm going to come to our house in the subdivision to come to stations. And so I was like, no. So look where I hung out with you all day long. We stopped and talked to them, and they were just, Whoa. oh my they, gosh. They think we're extra cool now. <laughs> <laughs>
Our restaurant, we were trying every store we could find because we, we had like two little people in There were six of us because we were. Yeah, because the oh, yeah. they all come out. Oh. So it was like, what, what are we going to do? We can't find toilet paper. And I'm like, that's like, that's the unknown consequence of having a crew come to your house and they're going to wipe out toilet paper. Back to your night too. Yeah, you too. Well, thank you both right. Angie and Carl and have a great evening. Thank you. You've been listening to Haunt Johns, a podcast for restless spirits. My name is Courtney Maroc, and it's been my pleasure to be your host and guide for this audio journey. Did you like what you heard? If so, the best ways to show your appreciation are by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts from, leaving a review if your podcast provider permits it, or by sharing this episode. If you're curious about the music, almost all of it comes from filmmusic.io, unless otherwise specified in the show notes, which is also where all artists and song titles are listed. And if you'd like to continue exploring with me beyond the podcast, you can always jaunt with me online anytime at hauntjaunts.net or socially on Instagram and YouTube. I sure do appreciate you taking the time to sail the airwaves with me. Until our paths cross again, ciao for now.